You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. ABC Tonight. Special Agent Will Trent. Judge Bureau Investigation. I told him I'd bring my best. Will sees things that no one else does. Based on the New York Times bestselling series. Why Will Trent? He's good police. And he's objectively hot. See crime. Put on Amber Alert. There's a kidnapping. Through his eyes. He read that crime scene like it was a book. Ramon Rodriguez is. I'm a pretty observant guy. Will Trent. Series premiere tonight, tonight central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey there, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. And I'm excited because I finally get to go first again after a while. <laughs> um, I chose to go first because I like Batman, and Batman should always belong at the top of the show. And so this theory, it's not about just any Batman. It's about Robert Pattinson's Batman. So the Batman. The Batman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so the as name far of the as theory is concerned. <laughs> one. So the theory is called Robert Pattinson the Batman is a prequel to Adam West Batman. Hmm. What? That don't make no sense cuz Adam West is 66 or 60s ish. <laughs> 66 was the movie, but the series was before that. And um, Robert Pattinson is 2021, 20, 22, whatever. It was so, this how does year. this work? Yep. <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> Let's find out. Let's see how The Knights puts this together. I understand that the Batman is a dark and gritty take on the caped crusader focused on the detective work of Batman. Even with that in mind, Pattinson's Batman could become the more lighthearted Batman Adam West was. The biggest reason I've made this connection is the comment he made about being a symbol of hope at the end of the movie. Realizing his current way is not working, he instead tries his best to be less intimidating to the people he wants to help, while still maintaining the edge over the bad guys underestimating him instead of fearing in the classic costume eventually. The relationship Batman has with Commissioner Gordon is similar to that of Adam West Batman. The bat phone may not be that far away as an easy way of one-way communication between Gordon and the Batman. This Batman, just in the first couple years of his career, has faced very outrageous situations where having a very specific stupid gadget would have helped, like (laughs) having... Like having the portable bat dam or bat water pump to be prepared for these circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably more points that could be made, and these could have been written better, but these are some similarities I noticed between the two. Um, yes, could have been written better. No, just <laughs> really The knights tried their best. The knights. All right, so um, I immediately saw this and wanted to cover it. And I immediately saw this and thought about a fantastic video completed, produced by a production company called Corridor Productions. Their channel is called Corridor Crew, I think. And what they did was they actually were able to take Adam West and put him in the trailer of the Batman to, like, replace him. It's like the Batman, but with... They replaced Robert Pattinson with Adam West's Batman from the classic television show. Yes, yeah. thanks for explaining that much better. <laughs> That's yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that uh, making its rounds whenever the Batman came out, and mm. it was pretty well done. 
is it's so fantastic. good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's hilarious, but it, 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 it works very well. Having seen that though, um, initially, since I did see that before I read this theory, never once did I think, huh, that actually works. It could be the this same could be person. the exact same person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing we have to deal with when this theory is, it's a prequel. The theory is saying that this is a prequel, but obviously there's a huge discrepancy in time and setting. So I think we're just going to ignore that for the time being because that just, if well, that's he was, kind if, of a, that's a general rule with Batman, isn't it? Because although he, we all know he started in, when was it? 1939. 39. That's what I was, was going to say that, but I mm-hmm. thought I was getting it confused with something else. We know he started in 1939, but ever since then, at least in the comics, artists try as hard as they can not to tie him aesthetically to any certain time period. Yeah, Batman. Even I was gonna say, even even in like the the movies and, and the show Gotham, like they they do a really good job of making Gotham kind of time ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And like well, like there's there's cars car models and stuff from like the 40s and 50s but they're using cell phones and just all the differences in technology and things like that like that's a great point true Mm. they do that in the animated series a lot oh yeah and even in the film the batman there Mm -hmm. are so many different things going on there as far as style of like clothing and dress and fashion uh that it's hard to pinpoint a time period Unfortunately, they weren't following that model when they made Adam West's show. It was very much <laughs> of the time, <laughs> yeah, stylistically. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's easy to just kind of go, eh, it was the 60s. We'll still right. count this as following that same vein of tradition of he is just a timeless hero. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so what I want to do is let's just kind of go – before we get to the comments, I want to mm-hmm. try to break this down. I, I don't want to – I don't have like a plot summary or character breakdown or whatever. Good, because that's um, boring. I, <laughs> I honestly don't have um, anything thought of to add to or detract from this theory at this point, but we're going to do that together. Um, so the first thing that I, I think is is hilarious is that this whole theory is riding on what he says or the knight says is the biggest connection – is that him saying that he's going to be a symbol of hope at the end of the movie? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Well, and because that's that... not really a big thing in any of the other iterations of Batman, is it? For him to be hope? It it just – so never outright because that's always Superman's thing, right? That's yeah. what Superman stands for is hope. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it just depends on the depiction of the character. I feel like at the end of Batman Begins and going into the Dark Knight – there's a little bit of of hope there as far as, you know, like when when Gordon says, I never thanked you for what you did. And Batman says, and you'll never have to. But then, of course, at the end of The Dark Knight, he's wanted for these murders. But then at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, when he maybe or maybe not uh, sacrificed himself because some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Um, <laughs> they made Yeah, they made a statue of him. So it's just a picture. I mean, Ben Affleck's Batman would never be hope. I'm a fan of the iterations of Batman where the people of Gotham love him, even if like the the police or those in charge don't like him because he's mm-hmm. a vigilante. I like it whenever the people of Gotham like him because that does say that like to to them he is their symbol of hope. Like yeah. he's their symbol of hope that that 
all these crazy villains that have run over Gotham and taken over will be taken out. Like the one that's going mm-hmm. to do that for them. And he, that's who he's for is for yeah. the regular citizens. He's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's not <laughs> meant to be for those elected officials who usually end up in a Batman Gotham story being crooked and, and on mm-hmm. the crime anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, this is one of the many, many reasons why Batman's one of my favorite comic book characters mm-hmm. of all time. I just mm-hmm. love him. Yeah. That could be a whole million year long episode. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> do y'all think that Batman in the 60s is a symbol of hope? Hmm. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's that's kind of hard to answer. He just kind of he's exists. Not, I think I don't because he's not on the outs with the police and he's right. not on the outs with like the mayor or anybody. Mm-hmm. It's that's a good point. Only the villains. Mm-hmm. That don't right. like yeah. him. So I mean, he, mm-hmm. everybody else in Gotham likes him in the in that show. You know what's interesting is I would I would argue that especially in Batman and Robin, Batman is more of a symbol of hope than in sixty six Batman. Because I'm thinking in particular whenever um, I think it's Freeze and Ivy crash that gala and or they crash something and oh, yeah, they're the like auction. we're going. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we're going to kill you. And everyone laughs. And the reporter lady is like, well, you must not be from around here. Oh. Batman <laughs> and Robin protect us. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, that being said, you have a good point, Laura, about in the 60s, the police and Gordon all kind of being just kind of with Batman. Like they have no issues working with him. And that's kind of the vibe I start to get and see in the Batman and you, you're, you're introduced to that in that first scene in the crime scene when he starts walking around the crime scene. There's all these police everywhere, which we've never seen that on film before. Yeah. Um, just kind of being everyone just kind of like, who's this freak? Whereas in other instances, it'd just be kind of like, oh, get him out of here. <laughs> or um, he'll break my... in later <laughs> when they've all left right. the crime mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Right. And while most of those guys don't have, they do have an issue with him being there, they start to. Um, come around to the idea, especially Officer Martinez, whenever Batman comes in towards the end of the movie, he's like guarding the crime scene and, and mm-hmm. he gives him the tip about the carpet, tucker. the tucker. Yeah. And so <laughs> he's, he's like one of my favorite characters in the movie. Let's Me go too. pencil neck. That's one of my favorite quotes, but um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but Laura, that was a good point you brought up that I made that connection. But okay, since you're, since you're itching to get some comments, we can get to those and then I may or may not have anything else to add. So th- the first one that I found was from Smile I'm High. Um, <laughs> okay. And At least they're they say, in that situation. They say, yeah. They say, which, um, I can very easily, uh, debunk all of these. Jim Gordon is a white guy and Adam West Batman. Riddler is a campy goofball. Adam West Batman. Joker is a campy goofball in Adam West Batman. Catwoman is completely different in Adam West Batman. This theory sucks. Catwoman is, in <laughs> fact, three different women in Adam yeah. West yeah. Batman. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and, I mean, this can all be attributed by different director visions. You know, um, we had, I mean, we had four guys play Batman, Bruce Wayne, Batman, or three Keaton, Kilmer, and Clooney in what was technically somewhat all kind of linked in a, a series of movies. You have, um, what's his name playing 
Harvey Dent and Batman movie, um, Billy D. Williams. And as far as like the portrayal of the characters, you know, Riddler, I kind of, you just kind of see him start to turn into that campy goofball towards mm-hmm. the end of the movie when he starts exactly. to even lose his, lose his mind even more. We start singing and he's, um, you, you see him become more and more of a character, a caricature of a criminal. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't, it wouldn't be beyond a the reason stretch. of, right, for him to develop into that. Mm-hmm. Joker, yeah, I we just haven't, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I don't see uh, Paul Dano's Riddler ever becoming quite to the level of Carrie's Riddler because, mm. I mean, it's Jim Carrey. That was just right. basically Jim Carrey in the Riddler costume, <laughs> essentially, yeah. which I'm not I complaining mean, about. I loved it. But you know what? We I, didn't even th- think about maybe Jim Carrey's uh, Riddler is actually Truman from the Truman Show. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> and then after he gets locked up in Arkham, he get, escapes and becomes Dr. Robotnik. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't see him getting quite to that level, but I do see him becoming more like the classic Riddler that we yeah. are familiar with, you know, from yeah, other media and comics and stuff like that. I agree. And one thing that, that's funny as we start to get into the Joker is I've always thought that in that series and from the 60s that the Riddler and Joker are not different enough because the yeah. Riddler does. I mean, while he does his Riddler thing, he's still very <laughs> like he laughs a lot. <laughs> and that's supposed to be Joker's thing. But anyway, um, now there is a as far as we, we don't know enough about this Joker to be able to make a determination on his characterization. But you could make a good case that he looks very different <laughs> um, because this Joker in this movie yeah. is severely disfigured and looks nothing like Cesar Ramirez or <laughs> Romero. Yeah, to yeah. be, to be Cesar honest, Romero. <laughs> the first time that I watched the Batman in theaters, when they mm-hmm. first showed Barry Keen's character in there, I honestly thought that it was going to be Two-Faced because of how yeah. mangled mm-hmm. the face was until they started getting into some dialogue and it gave dropped the hints. Oh, he's Joker. Yeah, it, I, I'm just very interested to see how they take that and what his if they really dive into the origin, what's going to be the cause of that. But then when we do get that that cut scene later on that they released eventually, and you see more, definitely more interaction. But again, you know, you just character wise, still don't have enough history to validate that aspect of it. Catwoman, I could, I, I don't have a problem with that one either. We've had but, multiple yeah. Catwoman anyway. That's yeah. kind of yeah. So you could, in theory, say that in this universe, Catwoman is a mantle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or yep. I mean, maybe. Zoe Kravitz becomes Eartha Kitt. I mean, yeah, I would be down with wrong. that. <laughs> I, and I, I think there, no one would object to that. Nice. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, next comment from Bamboozled Kazoozle. <laughs> you just blew my mind. I think you might be onto something, but I guess we'll wait and see if he'll be more like Adam West's version in the sequel. I feel like it'd have to be gradual to be believable, though. Like phase one will build up to it and maybe phase two will go full Adam West. Never go full Adam West. <laughs> um, full Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> Next is from Tempted into Sin. Uh-oh. The only thing I can see from this theory is that the cows of both West and Pattinson are probably similar to each other, with the same stitchings, nose trims, and similar shape of cows, ears in general. But beyond that, I don't see much of a connection. Wow. Which that had been pointed out before. That's um, a very I'd, I'd detailed connection. Yeah. 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 Um, the ears are, I think for me, are the biggest deviation. Ears and maybe the shape of the nose. But as far as like, design and sleekness of it the um, lack of eyebrows drawn on yeah. well <laughs> with that being said 
Next person, I can't pronounce that, says, just imagine him ditched the darkness for a blue outfit and painted brows is something I want to see so much. I'm voting this theory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Finally, we have Wheeled Warrior 5169. I am also not a fan of your theory for a lot of reasons, but... (laughs) I did notice the Shakespeare bust in one of the scenes in the Batman. Mm-hmm. It was in the TV show that held the button to activate the hidden door to the bat poles. Yes. I and I that. tapped you in the theater yep. when we saw that. Yep. And I was like, oh, it's Shakespeare's it. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> we have all of that. A couple points I will add. Alfred is, is a big thing in the Batman. He is ex-military. He walks with the cane. And he is... A motion captured character portrayed by Andy Serkis. <laughs> you don't see Andy Serkis turning into Alan Napier as he gets older. That's the actual. That's the actor's name that played yeah. Alfred in the series. So I, I don't. Do y'all have anything else to add to this, or do you want to save some of your your analysis for your ratings? Well, I mean, we've done analysis. Up I mean, to like I, I have a couple more, like. To justify how I rate it. Uh, Anybody want to add anything else? I, I think I'm good. I guess that means it's time to rate this theory. But before we do, Michael, would you mind, would you be so kind as to go over our rating scale real quick? I will. The highest rating that we have is genius. This is reserved for only the best theories, which we believe are better than the actual canon. The next step down is plausible. It's a good theory. It's believable. Unlikely is next. It's not a terrible theory, but pretty unlikely, as the name suggests. And then the last thing is preposterous. These are the theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. As, as much as I love this theory and have so much fun thinking about it, I have to say this is preposterous. There's, there's no way. <laughs> um, there's just no way. So the fact that in, in, the Bat- or in Adam West, they live in Wayne Manor instead of Wayne Tower in the Batman. Yeah. And we know, we learned that Wayne Manor has been donated to the or had been donated to the orphanage and the orphanage you find out in a prequel novel to the movie that riddler essentially set it on fire and so now it is abandoned and being lived in by vagrants drop heads drop heads yes Mm -hmm. um so that's just one thing you've got the thing about alfred i i just that's a different character. Some of the other characters are pointed out. I don't have issues with, but um, you got those things. That's enough for me to call it preposterous. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking preposterous this whole time, but towards the end, I was kind of wavering into unlikely territory, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I feel comfortable saying this is preposterous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much all the same reasons that you, you just gave. And while it is a fun thing to think about, it's just it doesn't work for me. I, mm-hmm. I don't really have any evidence or anything to like back that up. It's just my opinion. It just doesn't work. Well, and again, I think you could all sum it back to like I made a big deal about of the biggest reason I made this connection is him saying that he wants to be a symbol yeah. of hope at the end of the movie. Grasping at straws, mm-hmm. like trying to find a way to make a connection. Mm-hmm. I'll agree with you all that this is preposterous and I'll even go further with my proof of how would Robin figure into that? Well, he hasn't showed up yet. I know, but I don't see Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne wanting Mm-mm. someone to work so, with. Because, I mean, even though he, quote unquote, 
works with Selena. They no, they don't. Selena went off and went and did her own thing, and then she shows up later and like does some stuff. But it's separate from him. They're not working together. You know. Well, one one thing that I, I've never been one to be a fan of having Robin in a Batman movie, but it is an essential part of the character. And who knows how long we'll have Pattinson this particular iteration. I mean, sure, it would be stupid for him to have a Robin now, but in 10 years, who knows? And maybe it's one of those things where his intention in adopting Robin is not to adopt a sidekick. It's to be, you know, a a helping hand to an orphan boy that he kind of sees himself in. And so he was never was planning on finding someone to be a sidekick. It just kind of developed into that. Yeah, I could I could see with the direction that he's that Pattinson's Batman is going at the end of this movie. I could definitely see in the next one or two movies him becoming the type of person who's like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to adopt this kid. Like, I'm going to take mm-hmm. take this kid in, you know, right now I are in this movie. He definitely wasn't the type of person that would want any kind of sidekick or any responsibility over a child. But I, I feel like one of the brilliant things we saw in this movie, especially towards the end was growth in his personal character. You know, Mm -hmm. like he's, he wants to become hope. Maybe he goes so far as to wanting to become hope for this orphan kid, you know, Mm -hmm. which orphan kid would it be the former mayor's son? That's kind of what I was thinking, but, uh, and uh, <laughs> no. I've seen some theories about that uh, no. from some people too, but they, but they say that or that that kid that's in Titans, the guy has Drake? like the half skull painted on his face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh uh, yeah, yeah. He plays he plays yeah, Tim he, Drake and he Titans. does play Tim Drake but, in Titans. But I'm, and in I'm this, like, he was just a uh, one yeah, of the gang yeah. guys. I'm like, please, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Do do yeah. it. Do the don't do any of that. Don't do an adaptation. Don't be a a Robin John Blake or whatever stupid thing that was that Christopher Nolan did. Just uh um, oh. yeah. yeah. Just I, do Dick Grayson and exactly. stay away from Damien. I oh, want please. them to do I want them to do Dick Grayson just because I want to eventually have a DC Nightwing. canon Nightwing because Nightwing mm. is my favorite of the Bat family characters. Like any any character in Batman's entire comic history it my favorite is nightwing hands down cool nice okay well now that that's over um i do i have some great news for all fan theory query patrons out there we don't have any patrons not a single one well not yet but patrons of the future then we recorded our Patreon-exclusive discussion of a fantastic movie that we know will entice you to support us on Patreon. Yes, that movie is currently at the forefront of this decade's pop culture. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, why did we choose a 22-year-old movie with a soundtrack of 100-year-old music to be the first piece of bonus content that we offer as a benefit for our patrons? I don't know, Michael. Why did you choose that? I didn't. Which one of us did? <laughs> I honestly don't remember. That doesn't matter because now that we've started creating Patreon-exclusive bonus content, listeners can expect a wide range of topics and content types to enjoy. Yeah, like our discussion of the entire Stranger Things series, our top five favorite character actors, and Spencer's assault on the script and plot of Avengers Endgame. Let's not forget that Laura, 
you and I get to force Michael to watch and review a terrible movie of our choosing. Are you serious? Yes, we do. That's awesome. Contractually obligated. It's in the contract, so head over to patreon.com slash fantheorycues and become a patron to gain access to this must-see content published twice monthly. How would you like to challenge your little grey cells while reveling in the vintage perfection of David Suchet's Poirot? If so, then the Labours of Hercule podcast was made for you. We're taking a deep dive into every episode of this masterpiece of television and giving you the clues you need to solve the case along with Poirot himself. We present the case and you solve it. Whether you're a detective in the making... Or if you just simply want to gush over the genius and art decodence of Agatha Christie... Then subscribe now now to the labors of Hercule wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I chose to um, go with a theory that is also pretty timely, something from current pop culture, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, hey, it might be becoming re- relevant soon since they're recording tr- another one right now, aren't they? Well, and Chris Pratt just said he's not going to be Thank Indiana God. Jones. That's <laughs> <laughs> one less character he gets to ruin. Yeah. <laughs> User Lerowen Juan John. I don't know how how they are supposed to pronounce that. <laughs> that was great. Um, I get the interesting usernames all the time. They say why Indiana Jones's action in surviving on the island is even more important than you think, and how he got away. So first how Indiana made his escape. He hijacked slash rebuilt a radio on the island and used it to contact Captain Katanga of the Bantu Wind <laughs> to pick him up and Marion. The Wrath of God conveniently killed off all the Nazis on the island. But also... Way to go, Wrath of God! <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Indiana tipped off the British and Greek governments to the existence of Geheimhaven, the now-abandoned secret Nazi submarine base in the Aegean. This is huge for diplomatic and military strategic reasons. Number one, Germany has just lost their major secret naval base in the Mediterranean, and they won't be getting another. Geheimhaven would have massively changed U-boat operations in the Mediterranean in World War II if if it had still been operational. Number two, the loss of Geheimhaven is a major loss of resources for the Kriegsmarine. I wonder how many times I'm going to have to say Geheimhaven in this You're going to have to say it a lot. It's really fun. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, even if it didn't become public knowledge, it would rapidly and decisively alter British, Greek, and American military policy. The revelation of Geheimhaven would make it very clear that Germany was preparing for a new naval war of commerce raiding with Britain. Britain is the clear strategic target of such a base at such a place. This guy is apparently a poet. Yeah. This would hugely accelerate the Greek government towards supporting Britain and the Allies. Too long didn't read? The events of Raiders of the Lost Ark fundamentally changed the entire course of World War II in the Mediterranean, tipping Greece to the Allies, tipping off Britain, and causing Germany to lose an irreplaceable naval base. So that's the theory. So my thought is, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> like, you don't um, know what Geheimhaven is? Or Kriegsmarine? I mean, I, it, that's the thing that he like 
swims to, right? Geheimhaven is the base where he actually fights a lot of the Nazis. Like he's he's sneaking around. He, he punches the one Nazi and steals the Nazi uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. he gets like chewed out because it was too exactly. small or something. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm not 100 percent sure what Kriegsmarine is. I'm assuming it's a reference to like what they call their navy or something like that. I don't know. Yes. But yes. Yeah, I just I'm just not well versed in the history of the world to be able to know whether you're not, or not well versed of- in history period because you don't like history <laughs> <laughs> anyway but it that doesn't make this theory any less interesting i just am no expert in these events you yeah. know i need to watch indiana jones over again because i mm-hmm. personally latched on to just the last crusade mm-hmm. that's the one that i have watched the most yeah um and so I don't remember much of the others because if there was ever a chance of like, hey, you want to watch an Indiana Jones movie? Because we had like a box set. We had yeah. all three of the films on VHS. And I think we had – there was some kind of movie, uh, maybe a sh- – it wasn't a short film. It was a feature, but I think it was a B movie, uh, Young Indiana. Oh, no. That was oh. a series. That was that was an old series because it, it starred, um, it starred uh, River Phoenix. Okay. Well, we had something – it was just on one kiss on one video, one VHS. The point is, no one ever chose Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. Honestly, like I I'm with you on Last Crusade. Uh, that's probably my number one choice of the three originals. But Raiders is pretty close behind that one. I do love <laughs> the original, uh, but Temple of Doom is one I've seen maybe twice, maybe three times because mm-hmm. it just doesn't interest me. Well, people it's, have said it doesn't fit. Like, mm-hmm. is it supposed to be? Doesn't it predate story-wise Raiders? I, I don't, I don't think remember. So. I haven't looked that much know. into it because I just didn't yeah. really care that much. Oh, okay. The, the thing about it is it doesn't, in, in all, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's so disconnected. It could be before, right. it could be after. Nothing yeah. that happens in it uh, affects anything. But there's I was no going to ask, yeah, do you, I was <laughs> going to ask, do you all think that the reason why Last Crusade is so beloved by many is simply because of Sean Connery. I think it's the relationship. We're getting to see the relationship yeah. between okay. Indy yeah. and mm-hmm. his father. I, I yeah, like that. It's such a fun relationship too. you know, the whole butting of heads and eventually coming together and yep. neither one wants to really like <laughs> let their emotions mm. out, but they, they yep. do, you know, it's so fun. Well, and they figure but out think, just how similar they are. Yeah, yeah. I think Raiders is just as enjoyable and interesting as Last Crusade. But yeah. I will never choose to watch Temple of Doom. It's, Which, there's just so many gross things in it. We need yeah. to throw in there a quick RIP for the actor that played Brody. He passed away this year. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so like back to the actual theory. Um before we continue further on that, uh, OP actually has a comment that I want to read, which might change kind of the way we're feeling about this. So they say uh, there's a supplemental fan theory that the events of Raiders is actually the inciting incident for the Manhattan Project and the Tube Alloys Project. While the U.S. government slash Black Chamber 
may not fully believe Dr. Jones's testimony, an island full of mysteriously dead Nazis is enough to convince them not to open the Ark, with proof of powerful and bizarre energies able to devastate an entire island naval base. The U.S. government then sets out to scientifically reverse engineer the phenomenon, an effort that will evolve into the Manhattan Project. Indiana Jones is a secret catalyst for the atomic bomb. Hmm. Which yeah. comes f- full circle whenever he jumps into the refrigerator oh, during the test of an atomic bomb. We don't talk about that movie. That movie doesn't <laughs> exist. I don't know what you're talking about. So in response to that last comment, um, another commenter, Kevin Lestrange, says there were no dead Nazis on the island. They were all sucked into the Ark of the Covenant. That's true. Yep. yep. But in response to that, OP comes back and says... But there's still tons of Nazi flags, military equipment, documents, etc., all of which go a long way to proving that the German Navy was setting up a secret submarine base in the Mediterranean. And he continues on, Supplemental Fan Theory 2, the events of Raiders helps the British win the war because they got the German naval codes from the island. The first thing that any government would secure from Geheimhaven would be the radio code books. Now, instead of the UK having to break Enigma, etc., they had a double head start by having original code books of uh, 1936. Even if the Kriegsmarine changed the codes, the 1936 code books would be a priceless insight into how German radio code systems work and would make it much easier to crack future codes. That's neat stuff to think about. So I guess we're assuming that this is like an alternate history thing. Like we're not saying, oh, this is why the world war two had the outcome that it did is because the events of Indiana Jones in fact are affected it. We're just saying uh, this is an alternate version of history. If Indiana Jones were, was real. Yeah. Essentially that's that's what OP is saying. Yeah. Because, okay. Yeah. So the, my, the point about the arc being the catalyst for atomic bomb, that's always been a strange thing to me is because they, they lock the Ark away in that warehouse and mm-hmm. then just leave it as far as we know. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that with the hubris of man, it would be poked and prodded and, and all that. But, right. of course, we don't know. I mean, the events of the following movies don't reference it. But maybe they do take it in or like, oh, this is what God can do. Maybe we can be like God. Yeah, for me, like that's that's kind of one of my main main issues with this theory is the way that it's stored in this warehouse. Like they put it in a in an anonymous box that looks Wouldn't exactly great. like all the other boxes that are in this warehouse, and it doesn't even say what's in the box on the on the uh, uh, side. It just has like this code or whatever. It does kill a rat, though. Yes. If, if they really intended on using this to study, to try to harness this power or whatever, they wouldn't be putting it in this warehouse where it becomes an anonymous uh, artifact. Well, and the dumb thing is he, he actually says that they <laughs> – no, um, they, they, they may not fully believe his testimony, yeah. but – there's something that happened, and so they set out to reverse engineer, scientifically reverse engineer the phenomenon, which they wouldn't be able to do. Well, I mean, how? how they didn't witness it. You, you can't. You, they didn't witness it, and you can't reverse engineer something that you 
don't know, haven't yeah. seen happen, and know how it works. Like, mm-hmm. this should just be a guess. Well, so that's dumb. Yeah. Plus, this is a supernatural thing, and right. you can't reverse this, reverse engineer the supernatural. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was like super futuristic technology, that would be one thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about the power of God in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want you to okay. read these last three comments because I want to smack them down. <laughs> Dugad one. Uh, says Raiders was set in 1936. Actual Manhattan Project begins 1939. Stone Gold X says a lot of this in general feels like it falls apart because World War II is still three years off. And then last, Sith Alpaca says World War II was building up for a long time before it actually kicked off. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. that's the thing. It Things don't just happen like that. Especially like a, the beginning of the war, and then B, to actually come together and start the Manhattan Project. Because um, that was, I mean, that was a government-funded thing that has to go through Senate committees and, and all yeah. of this stuff to get legislation passed to get the funding for it. I mean, these things take years. So okay. that shouldn't be the thing that disproves it, that this that Raiders takes place in 1936. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before I forget what I was going to ask, is – Geheimhaven a real thing? I've been looking and I can't find anything that says whether Geheimhaven was real or not that I trust. Okay. Uh, the only articles that I found about it are just referencing the place in the story of Indiana Jones. So Okay, yeah. so let's say it's fictional. All right, well, I have formulated my opinion of okay. this theory. I'll go first. I'll round it out at the end. I, I think this is unlikely. I don't, I, I don't get it. I, <laughs> I, I don't understand what this person is trying to accomplish by s- explaining this because we have no way of confirming, unless I'm misunderstanding, but we have no way of confirming because we don't see history play out in the Indiana Jones universe. And what I assume, and this is what I was asking earlier, I assume we're, he doesn't say that this takes this is taking place in our history. They actually worked really hard to crack the code. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and say I, I'm going to give this a preposterous as well. And that was the main thing that threw me off was his saying that about German U-boat naval codes. Um, code <laughs> cracking, code breaking was a big deal, a huge deal for the Allies, um, and. Those code books done anything because they like it says they were three years old by the time the war started. And Mm. I don't think that's going to give you any kind of insight into how they do it. They would have figured out, oh, they've taken over this island where we had all this stuff. We need to re burn it all down. Start from scratch. This was a real war machine we were going up against. So I think this is absolutely ridiculous and preposterous. And I feel dumber Mm. for having listened to this. (laughs) To tag on to what Laura just said is stupid, <laughs> but this this um, this point number three, um, the revelation of Geheimat Haven, would it make it very clear that Germany was preparing for a new naval war of coming raiding with Britain? Blah blah blah. First of all, there is no Geheimhaven, and second of all, if Britain had been given that intelligence and were had such a leg up. Why did they suck so much for such a big part of the uh-uh. war? You know, um, 
No offense to our UK listeners. Um, <laughs> that was a different generation. We love you all. Not not you, but most of you. Well, um, I, I also love the generation that, that fought in World War II because they were made of some pretty stern stuff. And they were yeah. very, very resourceful. So Are I you personally have nothing against them. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. That's <laughs> one of the creepiest things ever. If you, if you, it's if like one of the only, it, yeah, listen, only, only episodes of Doctor Who I saw. Yeah, if you don't understand that reference, it's an episode of Doctor Who, very creepy. Um, but anyway, to finish my thing, yes, this is unlikely. I don't think there's any validity to this whatsoever. Yeah, for me, this is straight up preposterous it's, <laughs> it's just dumb <laughs> like pretty this much could be yeah. a dumb episode like I, the whole way around i love indiana jones and i wanted to talk about this but every time i read through this theory i'm just like this <laughs> none of this tracks <laughs> the the war would have gone so differently if any mm. of this stuff had actually been true so yeah it's absolutely preposterous now i will say I will attribute a preposterous rating to the supplemental fan theory about Raiders <laughs> yeah, being that's inciting incident, yeah. incident. That was, Manhattan yeah. Project. What you, that is dumb. That person, we were talking about grasping at straws about Robert Pattinson <laughs> leading to Adam uh-huh. West Batman. This guy is grasping at like frog hairs, man. There is nothing. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that. I, cause I just made it up, but I'm trying to illustrate. <laughs> which Grasping at a straw from that now grasp at frog hairs, which, there's nothing there, so thank you. It's it's like he was throwing applesauce at the wall to see what would stick. Applesauce, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo, that one was a stinker. <laughs> but hey, we we appreciate you taking time to write it out and let people comment on what you had to say. So I was just thinking about something. Remember when we were trying to figure out who suggested a discussion of Oh Brother Where Art Thou as our first piece of bonus content? You mean like 15 minutes ago? I did not forget that. What if I were to tell you that it was actually Paddington Bear? (gasps) That would be preposterous. I would actually begin to wonder if Spencer mixed up who is supposed to be saying which lines of the dialogue in this script. Well, you're in for a treat because our next theory is that the one to blame for most of the events of Finding Nemo is someone you'd least expect. Is it Cookie Monster? Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears. Yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real. Yet, we can use monsters to learn about reality. Psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters. And we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. 
Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. Are you in suspense? Are you dying to figure out what I'm going to talk about? I'm here to tell you Absolutely. that the one to blame for most of the events of Finding Nemo is Mr. Ray. No way. That's what I thought all along. According mm. to Pensador Dispensado. That was fun. Okay. They're <laughs> saying. What accent was that? I don't know. It was like a Italian Spanish. Latin? How about Latin? That we'll covers say Latin. All, right? Yeah, that covers all those languages. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm saying the events that happen after Nemo's first day of school. Mr. Ray is a spotted eagle ray, a species of ray that, though not aggressive, cause pain with their sting. They are also predators. The majority of their diet consists of gastropods, mollusks, and crabs, while also eating shrimps, octopus, worms, and small fish. When Nemo arrives at the Sydney fish tank after being captured, P. Sherman, a.k.a. the dentist, says that he found Nemo struggling for life out there on the reef. That I can't do Australian accents. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice try. We apologize to the one Australian listener that we have. Yeah, the best Australian thing I can do is saying no. Nar. No. Nar. Nar. That's right. That's the best I can do. Okay. P. Sherman could mean by Nemo's bad swimming, but also because Mr. Ray was nearby. And P. Sherman may have thought that Mr. Ray was attacking Nemo and the other fish. While taking Nemo, that one other diver that took a picture of Marlin may have tried to capture Mr. Ray, but he ran away with the other fish kids. So basically, the majority of events of Finding Nemo were indirectly Mr. Ray's fault. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we even need to talk about this one? <laughs> oh, gosh. I haven't even read this theory. This is fantastic. Yeah, this is my first time actually hearing it, too. Wow. No, every theory gets a chance. Yeah. I just yeah, want to we'll, say... Go ahead. I was just going to say, we'll give it its due. I have to say first, I have to give props to the actor, <laughs> Spencer... Uh, Bob Peters, who voiced Mr. Ray, because mm -hmm. that song he sings with, about all the animals as they're going through, oh, da 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 He's <laughs> listing all of those different kinds of fish. I mean, it's he does a really great I, job with it. It's really yeah. good. It's it's a very um, it's a secret movie tact or movie production tactic that they use when it comes to having to deliver certain. Uh, lines like that, especially for an animation movie, um, it's what they call a script. So that way they have the words in front of them and they can read them. That way they remember what they're supposed to say. Are you going to, but he was reading them that fast. Do you really think he could read them that fast? I mean, you have to practice that first and have part of it memorized, I would think. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I don't have that much experience reading scripts and stuff, but from what little I do, even reading something off of a script is not easy. It's mm -hmm. it, you, you can 
Like, especially for me, I <laughs> trip over my words. You don't say. <laughs> I trip over my words <laughs> a lot. Um, How many times did you have to say goodbye, Heyman? <laughs> you can't even say it. <laughs> just readers or listeners, just so y'all know, Michael had to start over like five times reading his theory earlier. Yes. Because goodbye, Haven. It's kind of hard to say um yes. all right so i guess do y'all want me to go ahead and dive and or do no. you want to say something else let's say stuff okay so i because i have to i have to make sure that i'm understanding this correctly this theory this person is saying that mr ray is the reason for the events of finding nemo because while the people capturing the fish for mr p sherman's tank uh, Mr. Ray was there about to eat Nemo. That's okay. So, and so they took Nemo to save him because he was in, uh, struggling for life out there because he was about to be eaten by Mr. Ray. Right. So it, th- that's what OP is saying is, um, it looked like Nemo was in danger. He was a young clownfish with a gimpy fin. So probably struggling with swimming out there on the edge of the reef all alone and he had that spotted eagle ray near him which it might have might have thought well yeah because i mean i guess it wasn't near near was it because they took off on their own out to go touch the butt and Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was nowhere near yeah while you were reading this i don't remember him being close to him that's true you're right i but that's what they're because Mr. Ray was nearby, the, the humans could assume that Nemo was a vulnerable fish who was being hunted by a predator. So they were able to justify their actions by saying, well, we rescued him. Preposterous. Well, let me let me read the comments. Oh, okay. This is, I, I, <laughs> this is by Poorly Drawn Beagle. That's right. okay never i'll keep going because in secret mr ray was in fact the arch villain man ray running an underground fry trafficking racket with the demons of shell city so um the thing is with this michael this is a uh spongebob reference (laughs) okay i was completely lost i didn't know what they were talking about Man, man ray is the arch villain of mermaid man and barnacle boy who are basically Adam West and Burt Ward of SpongeBob. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Except senile old people. Yes. Gotcha. And then OP comes back and says, Evil! Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> OP comes back and says, You just got to use the tickling belt. Spencer, could you please <laughs> explain this to us? Because we didn't watch SpongeBob. Um, I'll have to remember. It depends on how much time you want to take because I could looking up. I'm pretty sure that the tickling belt was a weapon of Man Ray that if you put it on, it causes it tickles you and you can't stop laughing. Oh my gosh. And basically it's it's torture because it's just tickling you. <laughs> and through um events it kind of backfires and somehow I don't know if SpongeBob is the cause of this, but somehow he gets it put on him. Oh no. And that that's laugh. how he's defeated, I think. SpongeBob's laugh. So. And you, Michael's no, 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 not on SpongeBob. I mean, it gets put on Mister oh, Ray, or uh, it gets put on Man Ray. I thought you were. Well, I mean, having to listen to SpongeBob laugh that much would be enough mm. to make me go, "I surrender." 
Yeah, and yeah. you wonder why I have zero interest in ever watching SpongeBob. Like I, <laughs> I like some pretty I dumb don't. things. Like I'll wonder. admit, there are some things that are pretty dumb that I enjoy. But to me, SpongeBob is like the lowest level of intelligence. Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> no. <laughs> Multiverse okay, of Madness. Okay. Well, I. I don't know that we need to do much more yeah, discussing. I think we're. This. I think we're ready. Honestly, I was okay. I was ready when you read the name of the theory. <laughs> yeah. Should we do it together? Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one. Preposterous. Preposterous. So wait, he says he's struggling for life on the reef. Spencer. He, did he, I don't remember that him saying that, but how does he know? He wasn't. Or was, was he there? Was he the one that captured Yes, him? because he drops his goggles, and that's how they know about P. Sherman, 42 that's, Wallaby Way. That's right. Um, maybe he was just lying to help the girl feel better about him stealing a fish. Well, that and to feel justified of going out and taking this exotic fish out of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm ready to rate. Oh, you suck. <laughs> we were going three, two, one. Preposterous. Preposterous. Okay. I'll make that line up and post. <laughs> no, please leave it as is. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, anything else we want to throw in there? We're good. Um, Laura, Spencer, Michael, guys. Uh, that took all all the creativity I have out of me to do that last theory, but that means that it's time to bring the episode to a close. However, th- since I don't have to do the thinking because this is what somebody else did, I did find a fascinating detail the other day while I was uh, browsing Reddit. And it's crazy. It's this craziest thing. I keep telling everybody about this, but nobody uh, believes me. But when I saw that Not Sure How Things Work posted this on Reddit, I believed this person, but no one else did. But you all need to understand and believe me that they actually made a Men in Black spinoff with Chris Hemsworth. And it bombed because no one can remember. What was I talking about? I hate you. <laughs> Wait, why Why do you hate me? I don't understand. I feel like we were just... Is the episode over? Did we finish talking about Mr. Man Ray? Yes, it was time Sherman for your movie detail. Tecumseh Smith. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I, Mr. Tecumseh Sherman P. Smith, whatever. I, I thought... I'm so confused. Okay, well... <laughs> this has been Fan Theory Queries. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. Join us next time as we analyze more fan theories and ask queries such as, is Beetlejuice actually the ghost of Michael Keaton's Batman? We'll discuss that and other fascinating fan theories in next week's episode. Fan Theory Queries is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West, The Accidental Creative, and Movie Therapy.